Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week I'm going to take a deep dive look into Willow Episode 8 titled Children of the Worm. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter and Hive at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. We look forward to connecting with you on those platforms. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Finally, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store to buy some Force Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it is time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. Okay, everyone, welcome back to Forest Ghost Conversations, and I am so thrilled to get into the Willow Season 1 finale with all of you this episode. I mean, it is fantastic. Willow just overall has been knocking out of the park each and every week, and boy, did they stick the landing, in my opinion. I tell you what, now, we have a lot to get into with that episode overall, but before we get into that, let's talk about some of the news that took place in the Star Wars and Lucasfilm Galaxy over this past week in our appropriately dubbed segment, Cloud City Gossip. Now, there was a lot of news this week. I'm, uh, I'm actually amazed by how much uh, that what we've got here, as well as upcoming stuff that is really special. So let's 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 take a look at all this here so first like i mentioned before the season finale of willow did premiere on disney plus this week and in this episode of force Ghost conversations that you're currently listening to we are going to be covering all of episode eight but in the meantime or not necessarily in the meantime but you know as we are in this post willow age now why not go back and watch all of the season through you won't regret it, trust me. I mean, it's spectacular, and I think when you go through it a second time, you'll be able to pick up on more of the details that maybe you didn't the first time. Also, we could all use some more Darth Vader in my li- in our lives, am I right? And a new comic miniseries was announced from Marvel this week, titled Star Wars, Darth Vader, Black, White, and Red. The series will be written by Jason Aaron, Peach Momoko, and Toron Grobeck. With art by Leonard Kirk, Peach Momoko, and more. Now, although we don't have a release date at this time, get hyped for this new comic run with the artwork for issue number one available right now on StarWars.com. Furthermore, the maestro himself, John Williams, confirmed this week that he, in fact, will not be retiring from music after all. The 90-year-old conductor says that he has at least 10 years to go in his career, and I am all here for it. Perhaps there is some more Star Wars in his future? I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. Nonetheless, you can check out his latest work in the Steven Spielberg-helmed film The Fablemans, which is out now in cinemas, as well as getting ready for his upcoming work on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which will, of course come out this june and plus folks we are in the thick of awards season 
As such, Star Wars just received a few nods from the Producers Guild of America for its upcoming awards ceremony. Andor was nominated for the Norman Felton Award for Outstanding Producer of Episodic Television Drama. And Obi-Wan Kenobi got a nomination for the David L. Wolper Award for Outstanding Producer of Limited or Anthology Series Television. Now, the award ceremony will take place on February 25th. And we will keep a close eye on this race to see if Star Wars comes away with any victories. So stay tuned on that one. Additionally, in the same vein of the awards season, I wanted to give congratulations to Ki Hui Kwan for receiving the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor for his role in the film Everything Everywhere All at Once. He is most known in our world, the Lucasfilm Star Wars, all this you know, what what this podcast generally covers here for his role as short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which he premiered, which he, you know, was a, was a child at the time when uh, when he uh, acted in that movie. And now he's grown up and he's 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 in this. Uh, what I hear is a phenomenal film. I've never heard. I've, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I will certainly be sure to check it out very soon here. And uh, I would highly recommend checking out his very passionate speech. You can find it online, I'm sure. It was really, really well done and, and heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time, too. But it was passionate. It is to the point. It is it is very poignant. And uh, I hope we get to see him in future Indiana Jones content uh, coming soon. I mean, I mean, you never know what's around the corner. If he does maybe a short round series or he appears again as the character. Let's see what happens. I know he's going to be in Loki season two sometime in 2023, which is very exciting. Finally, folks, are you ready for some football? Question mark. Lucasfilm has confirmed that the new trailer for season three of The Mandalorian will debut during the Monday night NFL wildcard playoff game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I believe that this trailer will be debuting during halftime of that uh, football game. So for those of you that don't care about sports too much, it is okay. You could probably just tune in every now and then, or it'll probably be online very shortly afterwards. But if you want to catch it live and in the moment, then be sure to head to um, the ESPN and various sites for uh, to, to catch that game. And obviously, I think this goes without saying at this point, be sure to tune in to the trailer overall, whether it's live or uh, online in some way, shape or form. You don't want to miss out on the trailer because we'll be covering it on Force Ghost Conversations in an upcoming episode. So you've been forewarned, you know, you got some homework, you know what you got to do in order to be prepared for an upcoming episode. And uh, it's going to be here before you know it. So with that, everybody, that is all that I had for the news in the Star Wars and Lucasfilm Galaxy this past week. And on the other side of the short break, we'll be right back with our discussion about Episode 8, the season finale of Willow Children of the Worm. Stay tuned, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to get into our overall discussion and deep dive look into Willow Episode 8, Children of the Worm. And Literally, I think you can, by this point, I think you can figure out what the Children of the Worm means. It's about that, you know, blood of the six and all that stuff. And the the uh, the crone enacting her plan to get these 
uh, the 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 blood of Bavmorda, right? Uh, Eric and 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 uh, and and Kit to uh, become the harbingers for the worm to allow him to come into or them, I should say. I don't know uh, if if there's a gender for uh, the worm, but to bring them into the real world and enact its evil plan uh, to basically bring about a new age in in the world of of mother world right and so this is an incredible episode overall i am very excited about the prospects of the future for this series but i think that they really stuck the landing for this season superbly there was a, a lot of avenues where they potentially weren't able to do so maybe didn't stick the landing right all that was on the table there but and, and we've seen this in many TV shows over the course of the last year or so, where maybe the finales have not been as poignant or, or, or significant as people want them to be. But I think that this series really did a great job in establishing the world, establishing all that and building up to this point where this finale could have such impact as it did. Now, the episode was directed by Jamie Childs and was written by a combination of Raina McClendon and Jonathan Kasdan. And boy, what a final chapter in this season. What a finale. It immediately follows the cliffhanger from last week. You may recall. Oh, well, before I get into all that, spoiler warning for episode eight of Willow. If you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing? Pause this episode now. Go back rewatch the episode or watch it again and then come back to this point in time in the podcast everything beyond this point is spoiler territory you are forewarned and yeah it's we're, we're immediately on the cl- on the heels of that cliffhanger eric has given in to his temptation and is now clearly a servant of the withered crone they're also you know i should say they but it is kit and Jade, they're confronted by Eric, and they're also surrounded by the Gales. And my question immediately at this point of the episode is, where's everyone else, though? Where, why didn't Jade and Graydon and Borman and Willow immediately jump in after Kit and Alora when they saw them jump off the edge of that waterfall into the unknown, literally? You know, we'll have to see what, what, you know, what happens very shortly here, but... I that was immediate immediate concern of mine because I'm like, wow, it shows what friendship that they had along the way. I mean, golly gee, I'd be mad if my friends didn't immediately jump in after me. But in the at the time that they're over there, because I know time works differently, Eric is just like he's like, listen, listen to the crone, hear her out, we can go home. Basically, the same offer of temptation that he was given later, or I would say in episode seven. And Jade is is right. So we go back to the crew on the cliff. They are talking and debating about what do we do next? Do we jump in after them? And I believe that Jade is absolutely correct in here in this moment. I love this line that she gives here. She talks about it's like a leap of faith to get to the immemorial city. And Kit is Alora's protector and Jade is Kit's protector. I believe Willow kind of lays it out like that. And I love the line that she gives back here to them. And it's, it's really inspiring for the entire group overall. When you love someone and they need you, yes, you jump off the edge of the world to go and get to them. This is the beginning of a war and they can't win it alone. I loved that music cue as you jumped in and it was so powerful. Great into follows follows suit. Borman as well. 
And Willow's kind of left out there to hang. You know, there's that idea that he may go home. And there's a good chance that hey, he might at this point. I'm sure he's circulating in his head. He's like, what do I love the most? I love my daughter, Mims. She's the last thing that I've got left in this world. That's 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 part of my family, my my family, right? He shattered his friendship with uh, with uh, Sorsha. Uh, we saw that in episode two. And Silas, his other you know major friend from uh, the Nelwyn clan, has has passed. So he's really just hanging on to Mims here at at the end of all things. But Willow is proud of Graydon. I did love that line that he shared as well. You're on your way to becoming a great sorcerer and an even better man. It's heartwarming, if you ask me. What a great character journey that Graydon has been on, too. He thought that he wasn't destined for anything great. He thought he was literally just a pawn in a larger game of of doing his father's bidding and all that stuff now that he had this guilt in him that he, he felt responsible for for killing his brother for for putting the family in the dire straits that they're in like that's a lot to weigh on somebody and the fact that he now has self-confidence in himself this is really i think at the end of all things like you have to look at the character arcs of all of those season it's really self-confidence in, in all these people right they accept who they are as people and they believe in what they are and who they are and they are okay with that and once you do that you're unstoppable it's really what happens in the first film right that is why this series to me is called Willow overall. I know I've seen complaints online about all of that, where they're talking about why is this series called Willow? It should just be called Friends in Willow, right? Or something like that, or Great Quest Willow or something like that. Whereas it's about the why. It's it's going back to the tenets of the first movie, where that understanding and belief and friendship and the power that we can create together is there. And yes, Willow is the ultimate hero at the end of the day, right? Because he believes in himself and he's able to achieve great things. But in this sequel series where he's older, wiser, and he's playing a different role, not necessarily being the hero of the story, but like, you know, the one wielding the sword and all that stuff, right? I think that's okay to pass that on to Alora and Kit and the others. But what can he provide is the wisdom and the idea that, really what he had before that belief in self he's gaining it over the course of time I, I can clearly see that in him but he's bestowing that belief to the others of this group whether it be great in here in this moment telling jade to confront herself and and accept that she loves her and it's not just out of protecting her because of tirasleen and sorsha no she protects her because that's what you do for your loved ones even borman too has this moment with him where he's like you're loyal you're dedicated etc right borman struggles to accept who he is overall across the course of all this and then he brings up mad marty and that really cuts to him about you know maybe he did have have belief in him overall and that's that's really powerful stuff so thank you for listening to my ted talk here folks about the the overall power of this series and what the major theme of just the willow verse itself is it's self-confidence it's the belief in self and if you can inspire that in others man you are a hero in my book and that's what willow does at the end of the day and that's why this series is still called willow <laughs> Woo! That was a good that was a good that was a soapbox. I didn't have that written down in my notes, but we're we're rolling, folks, here. This is what the power of episode eight can really have in all of us. So I mentioned again about Borman struggling to accept himself. I loved what all things Willow said. He jumps into, but Willow does he needs to cover that final cliff himself, right? 
he needs to come to grips with all that and before taking that leap of faith. And I have a feeling that it won't be the last that we see of him. I'm going to spoil it here. We do. Um, but I want to ask you all at home. Did you think that there was a chance that we he wasn't going to be a part of the grand battle that takes place later? Come on. Maybe maybe you did. I, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear that, too. But, you know, let's see what happens. The Vermiscus Q goo, right? Back on uh, the back in the immemorial city, the Vermiscus goo, the stuff that they were mining in Skellen, is is from the worm, right? I think that's it's bad stuff, basically. But I didn't like the creepy explanation that Eric was given there about it. And there's a little bit of confirmation too in this sequence that Mad Mardigan is fighting the crone from within now, and that's where he's located. And perhaps that is a tease for season two. We'll have to see. But I have maybe a strong hope or a belief that. Maybe we get a little more Mad Mardigan. Maybe that's the quest of season two. I don't know. We have to explore a bit more. Or I, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm hoping there's a season two. Uh, so we'll have to see where this all plays out then. And also confirmation about the crone, ladies and gentlemen. I know I was speculating it uh, on the last two episodes here, episode six and episode seven, about who this lady is. And, and we're confirmed that that is the Wither Crone taking on a different shape. Uh, and I think that's putting it very nicely here compared to what her original form is. Uh, Alora and Kit are pretty much forced to walk through the temple to see whatever temptation that is coming from the worm or the crone, uh, basically. And I'll tell you what, there's some great com- comedic bits throughout this episode here. And they mostly stem from Borman. I loved his his little, like, well, if there's ever a time to kiss, you know, now's the time to do it. I'd be up for it for you both. Uh, I thought that was hysterical. And of course, Jade and Graydon gave no time of day to that one whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, stressful times call for people to act out of nature and character. But it's just it's funny overall. I think that was good. Good laugh for me. Yeah, Alora and Kit do walk through the temple together and they see this vision that is a temptation from the crone. Or I guess the worm. I don't, I'm not really sure who it comes from. I feel like it's both. But they see Sorsha and a gang of others at this beautiful forest area, I believe, of Tirislene. And it is a ceremony for Eric and Alora's wedding. Alora says it clearly. I think this is a beautiful lie. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Agreed. It is a trap and it is the ultimate temptation, right? They're going to be... Put towards the final, I guess if this is a final test, but this is another test, if you will, uh, where they are forced to confront something about themselves, right? Do they accept the journey that they've been on is really what has taken place here? Or are they okay going back to a comfortable area of a before time? Right? Kip's temptation is that from her mother. It's the freedom that her mother didn't seemingly give her at the beginning of the episode or the seat, not the episode, but the season, right? Episode one stuff. And this, that freedom to be with Jade, to be with whoever, whoever she wants to be right. Not to being forced to marry Graydon to not follow in the footsteps of her mother itself, um, herself. And Alora's temptation is frankly, just being with Eric to some degree, being married to him. But I think it's mostly to be rid of the burden, quote unquote, of being a Laura Dan and this great sorceress that's to defeat all this great evil in the world and, and lead the nine realms into this, this prosperous future. And to go back to a time before, right? I like the uh, fun quip 
when she's talking with uh, that uh, she being Alora to Eric when they're on that like uh, picnic <laughs> blanket uh, talking about their life and stuff like that and magic. And he asked, you know, can you shoot lightning bolts out of your fingertips? And I was like, is that a Palpatine reference? I had, you got to think so because of the connection to Star Wars and Lucasfilm, of course. But yeah, I, I thought that was a neat little little tongue in cheek nod, if you will. And we get to hear Mad Mardigan's voice again, ladies and gentlemen. You could tell that maybe Kid is is feeling the temptation here, and this is the right time for a father to jump in and and give some clear sound advice to it all. I'm with you always, he says. You are her shield. You are her sword. Her being Alora. And I am already so proud of you. It is just what he needed. She needed to hear at that time. It broke through that that gaze that she was uh, was she was tempted by. Right? She was seeing an alternate reality, a future that could potentially be hers if she gave into the darkness, if she gave into evil. But this pure goodness, the father's love that she is bestowing, at, or that she's that she's receiving at this time, bestowed by him. That's powerful. And I'm sure they did the same technology that they did before for um, recreating Val Kilmer's voice for this um, for this moment here. And I thought it was really powerful. And thank you to uh, Val Kilmer and to Matt Mardigan, the character for this. Uh, it's great to hear you back to your friend. But Kit confronts the... Um, Kit confronts the the crone and she turns to stone too. And I forgot to mention that's what happens to uh, Borman and Graydon and Jade. They are literally turned to stone. Like they are shut off from the from the temple uh, of the worm, and they are literally transformed into stone, which is really metal. I love the effect that they did there, and. I'm just like, what is happening at this moment in time? It's clear that Alora maybe said yes to to marrying Eric. So that's why they proceed to the next sequence, which is the ceremony. And they have to seal it with a kiss so that she basically, in a metaphorical way, in a physical way too, let the worm in. But we get a little, little tease of what the real crone looks like, which we'll see her in her full form later on in the episode. But geez, ooh. Not looking good there. Evil definitely takes its toll on the body. That's for sure. It's not natural. Look at Palpatine in episode nine, right? That is, you know, you talk about the line there. The dark side is a pathway to many abilities. Some consider to be unnatural, right? That is unnatural, right? All of that is unnatural. But Alora fights back. She says, I'm not into Eric anymore. And I think that may be a, a breakup line right there pretty clearly to me. But at the end of all things, when all hope is probably lost and potentially could be could be gone, right? You know, Laura may not have the strength or the ability to push through without anybody else there to help her in this moment. Maybe she could, but Willow's here to help. And it reminds Alora of who she is, giving her the extra strength and that push to become the great sorceress that she is. Willow frees everyone from this dreamscape and from their stone imprisonment. And he gives this, you know, the great line that she 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 questions him. Why are you why are you why did you decide to come back? Why are you here right now? And Willow defiantly says, it's where I belong, standing beside you. And and 
We're here, ladies and gentlemen. We're here in the last episode. Everyone is believing in themselves. They understand their purpose, their role, where they need to be right here at this point in time. And there's some finally some understanding of all this. And through all this, the crone reveals her true form. And we get a battle sequence, ladies and gentlemen. It is an exciting battle scene. Great music in the background. The gales are here. Everybody's off and fighting within this temple here. Sherlandrea's wand is broken by the crone. And Graydon, in a great feat of heroism and bravery, tries to fight the crone and give Alora some space so she could catch a, a, a breather. But he is not as strong in, in magic as, as Alora is naturally, but he is thrown into the realm of the worm as Really, the group couldn't get any lower at this moment in time. And this motivation, though, does drive Alora to get real mad. It gives her the extra kick that she needs to stop holding back. And boy, does she give the crone a run for her magic here. Back to the other group here. Borman is right. Believe in yourself, Kit, and you will be unstoppable. He gives her the shield, the, the shield to protect the group, the Chimerian cuirass. And... You know, we'll see what happens later. Yeah, how this how this plays out. He gave it to her. She's like, "You're worthy. This is your story. You can handle this. This is meant for you." And uh, it does have this semblance that Borman tries to sacrifice himself here by fighting the rest of the Gales and closing off the door so that the rest can fight the Crone. Now, Alora doesn't need a conjugate though to utilize magic, right? Remember, I said that the Sherlandrea's wand or Sherlandria, I believe is the correct pronunciation. I always go to Sherlandria. Uh, Sherlandria's wand is broken and dissolved into the worm's vermiscus goo. And she doesn't need that. She is so strong in magic. She is literally herself magic in a way. And wow, just a really great scene overall. Just the way that the cinematography is done, the effects. I love the design of how the... This this climactic magic battle, how they're using their strength and, and all this to fight each other back. I don't know why. It just works for me so well that it's it's not just one static line of of energy and strength going back and forth with each other like a la I don't want to knock it, but Harry Potter does that with its with its interpretation of magical duels, right? I, I'm talking specifically those Voldemort and Harry scenes where they're just shooting wands at each other, right? I think uh what is it? Uh goblet of fire on like that type of stuff i love how there's like i hope i explain this right but it's like lightning effects where there are multiple strains coming from their like their body and their fingers and all that stuff i think that just works for me overall and i think that's really cool and helps to separate willow and its magical portrayal compared to other high fantasy stories and wow that is this is all great and Let's just talk a little bit here, too. Like, Willow is also fighting off some of the Worm's uh, people, right? He, he, the warriors from the the realm start to make their way into the immemorial city and, and enact the Worm's evil plan to take over all of Motherworld. And I love that Willow can use magic to talk to Alora from within her head. It's very Professor X of him. And... I'm going to get on another soapbox here, ladies and gentlemen, but perhaps this is the real joy of Willow as a character. Always finding the joy in the person and doing what is right at the exact time that is needed. I feel like this has been a constant in this series, and 
I love the, the delivery of the lines overall that he gives here. It's okay to fall, to make mistakes. I've made lots. The trick is to embrace your defeats as well as your victories. You pay for both in the end. So be decent, be fearless, and know this. Wherever the adventure leads, I'm with you. Powerful stuff, Willow, and I could almost take the mountain at the end of the day, right? It doesn't matter how big or small you are or what your size is or who you come from, where you are, what your past was, where your future is going. It What matters is right here, right now, in this moment in time. And it is being a good person, being decent. These are the things that matter. Be fearless. Trust in yourself. And know that you're with friends, right? The crone is alone in all this. But... The group is there together. They're leaning on each other. They know that they all have strengths and weaknesses. And they pick each other up where their weaknesses are. And they heighten their strengths again. And it's really, really great stuff. And I'm glad that Willow is is achieving what I've always known that he could do across the, the entire episode. But it comes to such a, a head at this moment in time. And in a climactic final battle, Alora and the crone literally crushing her chest apart and ripping out her insides. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Man, was that metal. In a surprising twist, then, the crone transfers her energy and power to Eric, the true harbinger here, you know, the blood of the six and all that. You will succeed where Bavmora failed. And woof, he does not look too good. The, the dashing young lad that appeared at the end of episode seven with that fresh haircut. Well, the kudos to the makeup team because they, they did a number on him here. But we I mentioned before the Chimera and Kiras. It works for Kit. The armor molding itself to her body is so metal and the armor looks amazing if you ask me. And she defends Alora in this time. She literally is like, I am the shield to protect her. I, I am what my father, Mad Mardigan, envisioned. Like He knew he was okay for him to go off to fight the worm from within because he knew that one of his children would step up in this moment in time. And what a journey for Kit throughout all this. I am a strong Kit fan at this point in time and, and moving forward too. Kit is fantastic. And I'm glad that she got this real great hero moment here. And literally, how poetic is it to see the daughter and son of Mad Mardigan and Sorsha fighting each other? One to protect Alora, and the other to end her. Literally, good and evil within both of them fighting it out. But let's look at it. Yes, they had that within them, but they both made choices to get to this point. They had that temptation in front of them, and one chose to give in to it, and one didn't. And that's where... Uh, that's a big, you know, philosophical thing at the end of all this, right? What can we take away from these adventures in our everyday life? And it is a choice. Goodness, being good is a choice, ladies and gentlemen. Be decent, right? That is a choice. Also, being evil, we're always tempted by stuff. That is a choice that we make at the end of all things. Whew. And Alora, though, has compassion, right? Because uh, with the with the help of the Chimerian Kuras. Uh, Kit is able to basically defeat her brother, strike him down, but doesn't kill him. He's just kind of laying there. And Alora does have compassion for him. She says again, reminds him, reminds Kit, love is the most powerful thing in the universe. And Willow breaks his staff and pulls out the gem that was within it. And he says, talk to him. If he hears you and sees the light, then he can be brought back. And he does. He is. Eric is brought back. And, and, uh, they finally have completed their quest. They've saved Eric. That was the whole point of this entire journey from the end of episode one is they got to go get Eric. 
to save him, to to bring him to this, uh, to 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 retrieve him from the immemorial city. And they've done that. They've completed the quest, and they're able to go home. And Borman is still alive too, ladies and gentlemen. No, you know, I'm sure that was a wild story in there, fighting him, fighting off the gales and all that stuff. But he he closes uh he he closes that door on them. They all seal off the gates to the temple of the worm. But Willow is correct in his prophesation here. They've just pissed off the worm, right? It's not like the worm is done and they need to recoup, build up their armies, build up their strength, right? Just like a snowball going down a mountain, as Willow uh, alludes to, and even from that great scene from uh, the first movie. One adventure ends and another will soon begin, right? The worm strikes back. Could that be uh, the title of uh, potential season two? I mean, clearly the worm is not going to be thrilled with this defeat here and it's going to be coming back with greater force in numbers probably than, than before. And the episode really ends in a way with this extra scene that kind of tacks on to the, the group heads back to Terrasline and where they came from and all that stuff to rest and recoup probably for the next battle upcoming. But we get a little tease for this future. Where's Graydon? Well, we find him amidst a literal array of death, destruction, and decay everywhere. And it looks like this is a future. Is this the alternate timeline or potential timeline that Willow has seen from his nightmares? We see a little bit of an older Alora Dannon standing before him uh, on the crest of this like hill, if you will. And she's like, I'm at the dawn of the age of the next world, and I need somebody to lead beside me. And I've chosen you, Graydon. You see this like almost army like behind her of all these different monsters and all that stuff. And you see the death and destruction of Tirasleen soldiers and, and uh, all these different armies behind but on, amidst Graydon. And you're like, what is the deal here? Alora's wearing all black. She's got a haircut here. Talking about the dawn of the next age of this world. Is this a nightmare timeline? I don't know. Um, this is incredible stuff here, but it certainly is a great tease for the future. And of course, did you hear that drum solo in the background, ladies and gentlemen? Do 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 do. It leads right into the classic '80s hit by Dire Straits, "Money for Nothing," as it heads into the credits. Woo. I'll tell you what, that I love that song overall, and I love the drum solo as a drummer myself. And uh, I'm not sure exactly if there is an ulterior meaning to having the song here. You know, similar to other songs kind of being on point or metaphorical for what's going on in the episode um, as they do the kind of uh, jukebox, if you will, to end the the this, the episode. But for me, this makes me feel like I can take on the world, right? I feel like that's a song that's leading us into the next adventure, into the next battle, which is really where I'm taking with this right now in terms of like the why of it all. But my question here is like, is this... Is this an, elev- an evil Alora? I don't know. This is a great, great question that I think will hopefully be answered as we go on in the uh, Willow journey here. I hope we're not at the end here. And did you stay through the end credits? I hope you did because they close the book on this volume and put it back on the shelf. And there are two other volumes beside it that you can clearly see. So is that confirmation of three seasons, ladies and gentlemen? I can only hope. I can only hope. I mean, golly gee, I really want more Willow. I am 
bummed that we don't have another episode next Wednesday. Thank goodness that Bad Batch is already here to tie me over and all that stuff from from this to the next thing to the next thing because, wow, Willow has been excellent. It's been such a fun ride talking about it each and every week with you all. And I think we're going to continue the discussions here of Willow. I'm very hopeful that maybe we get an announcement at Celebration formally that there is a Season 2 coming. I I'm so thrilled with this all, and I hope that you've enjoyed the Willow ride at home. What did you think of this season finale? Did it meet your expectations? Did you, were you left hanging with anything? Did it, uh, do you have questions about the future? What about that nightmare timeline? Where is Graydon? What's happening here? What's going to happen next? Who's the worm? Why is the worm? What's the worm? Who knows? But we're, you know, full well, we're going to talk about it all here on Forest Coast Conversations. We're going to probably do... Um, kind of a recap episode for the season very soon here on Force Ghost Conversations. So get excited for that. The Willow Conversations will continue via social media and all those channels. So don't don't despair folks. We're not we're not done talking about Willow any stretch of the matter. But for that, this is the end of this episode. We're at the end of this journey and we'll start a new one ourselves. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you are having a great start to your 2023. Thank you for listening to all of our Willow content thus far. May the force be with you. Take care. We'll be back very soon with another episode. And I believe this will be about Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 3. So take care, folks. May the force be with you. Bye. Mm-hmm.